Welcome back to our reflection on the churches in the book of Revelation. We are still listening to what the Spirit has to say to the churches. For these messages are for us, even though they were written to the church back then. According to Warren Wearsby, human nature hasn't changed much, and these letters are mirrors in which we can see ourselves. Today we will look at Sardis. Ancient Sardis, the capital of Lydia, was a most important city. It lay about 50 miles east of Ephesus at the junction of five main roads. So it was a center for trade. It was also a military center for it was located on an almost inaccessible plateau. The Acropolis of Sardis was about 1,500 feet above the main roads, and it formed an impregnable fortress. The main religion in the city was the worship of Artemis, one of the nature cults that built on the idea of death and rebirth. Sardis was also known for its manufacture of woolen garments, a fact that has bearing on Christ's message to this church. Sad to say, the city at that time was but a shadow of its former splendor, and the church unfortunately had become like the city. It was alive in name only. The message to Sardis is a warning to all churches, just like the other churches. It is a warning to us today. Dr. Vance Havner states that spiritual ministries often go through four stages, a man, a movement, a machine, and then a monument. Sardis was at the monument stage, but there was still hope. There was still hope because Christ is the head of the church and he is alive. He's able to bring new life to things that are dead. In fact, he is the giver of life. To this church, Jesus describes himself as the seven spirits and the seven stars. And in Revelation 4 verse 5, the seven spirits of God is pictured as seven burning lamps. According to William Barclay, there are three interpretations for this. One, it denotes the Holy Spirit with his sevenfold gifts and the idea founded on the description of the Spirit in Isaiah 11 and verse 2. Secondly, it denotes the Spirit in its sevenfold operation. There are seven churches, yet in each of them the Spirit of God operates with all of his presence and power. Thirdly, the seven spirits signifies the completeness of the gifts of the Spirit and the universality of of his presence. So Christ says to this church, I know your works. What did Christ know about this church? He says, I know that thou has a name, that thou livest and art dead. They had a reputation of life and vitality. Yes, it was a busy church with meetings every night, committees galore. But in spite of their life and vitality, it was considered by Christ a dead church. They were dead despite their reputation. 
I want to remind us, a good reputation is no guarantee of a spiritual character. God has given to all church his spirit, his presence, and power. We must recognize that as a church, all our man-made programs can never bring about revival. The church was born when the Spirit of God descended on the day of Pentecost. Without the Spirit of God, without the enabling power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the church is dead and stands in need of a mighty revival. Are we trying to do things without the enabling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit? I want to go back to the Dr. Vance Havner four stages of ministry. Man, most churches begin as a vision given by God to a man or a woman. Quite likely, this is the church planter and most times the pastor. But then he says the church moves from that stage to the movement as the Spirit directs this man or woman to influence the lives of others into committing their lives to this church, a movement begins. But after a period of time, this Spirit-filled church becomes so well-oiled that it operates like a machine, where we begin to depend on self instead of the Holy Spirit. We also hear the author Rick Warren saying, that every church is driven by something, tradition, finances, program, personalities, buildings, events, and seekers. In the tradition-driven church, the favorite phrase is, we've always done it this way. Change is always seen as negative and stagnation is the order of the day. And some will even see it as stability. The goal of the traditional church is to keep repeating the past and the same things over and over, which has died many years ago, like the church in Sardis. We have never done it this way. So God's will becomes secondary. Our God, we must remember, is a God of new things, a God of new beginnings. And he says in Isaiah 43 verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall he not know it? What drives us as a church, as a congregation, as the people of God? Are we dead or are we alive? Do we only have a name or a reputation only? The greater issue should be, what does God want the church to do? Some churches are driven by finances. Churches should exist not to make a profit. The bottom line should not be, how much did we save? But how many lives were saved and delivered and set free from the power of sin? We exist as a church to bring glory and honor to God. So, as we worship, are we dead or are we alive? Are we like the church in Sardis? We are called to bring honor to Christ, to worship and magnify the Lord, to go into all the world and preach and teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus did not find their works perfect. Yes, they claimed to be alive, but they were dead. The Lord's advice to this church was to be watchful. Church of the living God, are we awake or are we sleeping? Are we watchful? We must be watchful. Watchfulness should be the constant attitude to the believers of Christ. Paul says in Romans 13, 11, it is full time to wake from sleep. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, be watchful and stand firm in your faith. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Christian must be watchful against the wiles of the devil. There are a series of imperatives, commands that God gave to this church in verse 3. The risen Christ says to this church, Remember how you received and heard the gospel. This is in the present imperative and means keep on remembering. Never allow yourselves to forget. Jesus is telling the dead church to remember the thrill that they had when they first heard the gospel, the good news. Christians must always remember where Christ has brought them from and what he has done for us. He says to this church, as he has said to Ephesus and Pergamon, repent. As he has said to Thyatira, repent. As he has said to the Jezebel lady, repent. Repent is an heiress imperative, meaning it calls for a definite and a decisive action. Christ is speaking to us. Let us be watchful and let us repent. Let us fan into flames those things that are dead, even though we claim to be alive. The second imperative, keep again. Another present imperative command, indicating a continuous action. It means... Never stop keeping the commands of our Lord. Too many Christians are Christians one moment and unchristian the next. The church must be watchful. The church must be vigilant. Let us hold fast and be watchful because the word of the Lord says, Our Lord will come as a thief in the night. And we know not the hour he will put in his appearance. Let us not defile our garments, but let us be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Remember what we have received and heard. Let us hold fast and repent in Jesus' name because there is a reward. And our name will not be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Amen. <music>